Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Old Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge. Because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. If you're listening on the day this episode drops, that means that it is Thanksgiving, you guys. So happy Thanksgiving to all the moms and moms-to-be. I hope that you're laying on the sofa with your feet up. Perhaps your honey is giving you a long foot rub. The thought of that is nice, right? Yeah, so make sure you... Let your boo listen to at least this part of the episode and then thank me later for giving him a little a little nudge to, to give you a foot rub. Because, you know, we all need a foot rub. Pregnant, not pregnant. We we need one. Right. All right. So this week, a few people have had some surprise pregnancy news and have some questions about how not planning for pregnancy impacts the pregnancy. Now, let's start off by saying planning is definitely important, especially if you have medical problems. So, for example, if you have high blood pressure, a preconception consult will remind you to get off of your off of certain medicines that can cause birth defects. So just hint, hint, brief reminder is if you are on lisinopril or something called Losartan and you plan to get pregnant, go ahead and ask your provider to switch that to safer meds. Okay, so just that one hint, but you can't go back and listen to the hypertension and pregnancy podcast episode for more detail. But those are the two big ones you need to get off. If you have diabetes and want to get pregnant, planning gives you time to stop splurging on that fried chicken and start exercising to get your hemoglobin A1C down. Remember, your hemoglobin A1C is that number that tells you the average blood sugar that you've had over the last three months, okay? That number needs to be about 6% at the time of conception. So we want it controlled, okay? Diagnostic is 6%, okay? It used to be the goal was 7% at the time of pregnancy, but now it is, it's 6 We want you to be what people that barely have diabetes are, okay? 6% is what the goal is for your hemoglobin A1C. Now, once you have a hemoglobin A1C at 8%, that significantly impacts the risk of the baby, okay? 8%, I mean, we are looking for a defect with the most common being the spine, spinal cord defects. And, you know, sometimes with the spine, because it connects to the brain, there can be uh, brain defects in association with that. And then the huge one, which is the most common, would be a heart defect, a congenital heart defect with the hemoglobin A1C or that average glucose number, being 8% or more, you have a higher risk of having a baby with a heart defect or or really any defect, but the heart defect is the most common. If you have acne, 
pregnancy planning allows time for your baby, allows time for your body to get rid of toxins related to taking in those little retinoic acid pills that you like that keep your skin glowing. Those retinoic acid pills definitely have a, a direct causation and effect to birth defects, okay? We're talking about facial defects, cleft lip, cleft palate, heart defects. Um, this can lead to some really serious structural issues, especially abnormal facial um, defects that retinoic acid pills can cause. But what if you don't plan, right? Like what if you, you know, don't plan you and your mate or your boo or whomever you decide to have a rendezvous with end up having a oops baby. First, take a breath, breathe. You're pregnant now and we have to deal with things going forward, not looking back. And on that, you do have to decide if you want to carry the pregnancy. So some people, this is your right. Women have the right to their own bodies. You can decide whether or not you want to carry a pregnancy or not if it is an oops baby. But the state in which you live will determine if you're going to get it done in that state or whether you have to get it done in another state. So if you're somebody that does not want to have a oops baby, but you're pregnant and you're early enough, then you can look at, you know, go to reproductiverights.org and look at um, where the low, the the nearest locations are for, for termination services. And there's also some funding options there. Obviously, I'm in the business of baby making and I want everybody to keep their babies. But, you know, sometimes there are life situations that happen that don't allow us to do that. So there are resources out there. Okay. Second, I want you to go ahead. I want you to collect all the medicines that you've taken in the past month and figure out the last time you took said medicines. Okay. This is going to be really important during your first prenatal visit. Okay. Cause we're going to ask you all the stuff about your prenatal, your, your pregnancy histories in the past. We're going to ask you about your medical conditions we're going to ask you about your surgical conditions. We're going to ask you about your allergies and then go through your med lists in totality. So you want to make sure that you're not fumbling around and fidgeting around and, oh, I took this little pink pill. Oh, I took the white pill. We don't know what that means, y'all. We try, but we don't know what that means. So we need you to do your due diligence before you go to your prenatal visit and literally write down those meds with the dosages on the on one sheet of paper and bring it with you and tell us why you think you will prescribe that, okay? Will you prescribe that for your for a headache or will you prescribe it for blood pressure? Like which one, why, why are you taking this? And when's the last time you used it? People are like, why does it matter because I'm not on these medicines now? There are certain medicines that take a while to get out of your system, right? So if you're somebody that has rheumatoid arthritis and you're on methotrexate, it takes a couple months to get that out of your system, which is why while you're on those drugs, your your um, provider would tell you, you need to be on birth control at the same time, just in case you got pregnant so you can avoid having a baby with um, birth defects. So really important to write it down and discuss these medicines during your prenatal visit. Also, as a reminder, cosmetic pills like retinoic acid pills, those count to topical creams and ointments. We want to know about all of that so we can figure out what your risk is this pregnancy. The next tip I would have or pearl I would have is if you have an oops baby, go ahead and buy the prenatal vitamins, okay? And start them. You don't have to wait for them to be prescribed. All these prenatal vitamins are over the counter. Start them now. And for an added bonus, if you're still in the first trimester, 
according to your last menstrual period. I know that some of you guys are like, I haven't had an ultrasound yet. But based on your cycles, if you still are in the first trimester, meaning the first 13 weeks of the pregnancy, go ahead and add that folic acid supplementation too. So you can take your prenatal vitamins and then there's an extra folic acid pill you can take. Most prenatal vitamins have anywhere from 400 micrograms of folate to 1,000 micrograms of folate with the average being 800. But if you don't have 1,000 micrograms of folate, go ahead and take another 400 micrograms of folate in addition to your prenatal vitamins. Folate is not harmful. You can't overdose on folate and high concentrations of folate are not associated with any harm or birth defects to the baby. You can only help and it's going to help reduce your risk of having a baby with spina bifida. So we do want you to take your prenatal vitamins and folic acid. Next, if you have medical conditions that are managed by other specialists, like you have heart disease managed by the cardiologist, you have rheumatoid arthritis that's managed by the rheumatologist, etc. Go ahead and contact them and let them know you are pregnant, okay? And schedule a follow-up visit with them, especially if you have conditions that are managed with medications. It's always important for your providers to be on the same page. So they're not telling you one thing with me telling you something completely different. We want to work collaboratively. And the way you can step in and help with that is to go ahead and make sure that your visits with those subspecialists is up to date. Next, which is a very, 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 very important tip. I hope everybody is listening. Increase your water intake, okay? You should be drinking 80 to 100 ounces of water a day in pregnancy. And so we want to make sure that we achieve that goal early in pregnancy. Drinking enough water helps to flush the body. If you have issues with the kidney function, it helps to flush the kidneys. If you have issues with... um with diabetes, it helps to, to rev up your metabolism so that you're burning those carbs out faster. And of course, it helps prevent Braxton Hicks contractions or contractions that are caused just because of dehydration. So make sure you increase your water intake. And then lastly, enjoy your pregnancy. I mean, I understand it's an ooze baby, but it's not the end of the world. 99% of the time, everything's going to be just fine. So enjoy the pregnancy. Plan that baby shower, plan your maternity pictures, make sure you remind your your significant others to plan the baby moon. Go ahead, you know, assume the best until somebody has told you otherwise. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so now that we know a little bit more about how to handle an oops baby, let's go to some questions and cases. Our first case is a 28-year-old who was 22 weeks pregnant with her first child. She is not in a serious relationship and has issues confirming the paternity of her baby. This was not a planned pregnancy, and she is not sure of the paternity and really needs to know to make decisions about her relationship. Her OBGYN referred her to you to discuss options for paternity testing and risk to the baby. Okay, I feel like I get some question about paternity almost every week. And so let me start by saying... 
when you're 22 weeks, you're beyond the point that most people allow you to terminate unless you're going somewhere like um, New Mexico or Colorado. There are centers that terminate up into 30 weeks or some even 40 weeks um, for various reasons, but you don't have to have a reason. If you go to these, these, uh, they're centers for choice. So if you go to these places, you don't have to say anything about why you're choosing to terminate. It just is what it is. You terminate. But let's say you are planning to keep the baby because you're already 22 weeks. That's far along to try to have a termination. Okay. So let's say you're trying to keep the baby, but now you're just trying to decide on the relationship status of you and the person that could potentially be the father of the baby. One, this is not something that is going to change the course of the pregnancy. Knowing or not knowing is not going to change this baby. Knowing or not knowing is not going to get you delivered sooner or later. And knowing or not knowing is not going to have a baby do better or worse during the course of a pregnancy. So I'll start by saying this is not emergent. Okay. This is not an emergency. You can get this baby evaluated after delivery in the postpartum period. But if you decide you want to get the baby evaluated, there are a couple things that you could do. One is an invasive test via genetic amniocentesis. If you're getting that test anyway, for some other reason, this is a good add on test because we can just take an extra tube of amniotic fluid. And amniocentesis is when we clean or sterilize the belly and then under ultrasound guidance, we enter the uterus with a needle and we withdraw fluid around the baby and then send that off for the baby's genetic workup. There is about a one in 300 to 500 chance of losing the pregnancy because of preterm or premature rupture of membranes. And, you know, if if you rupture, there's not a lot that we can do at 22 weeks to intervene. Now, if you hit 22 weeks in five days or 23 weeks, then yes, we can intubate the baby and the NICU can take care of the baby. But at 23 weeks and 500 grams, babies have about a 50-50 chance of survival. So when we talk about doing something like figuring out the paternity and something invasive that could potentially harm the pregnancy, even if it's a small amount, I would not recommend doing an invasive test for paternity only. I would only do paternity testing if somebody wanted it and they were already getting amniocentesis for something else, okay? Um, I would not do an amnio for paternity just by itself. So I hope that that helps. If you are wanting something a little non-invasive, okay, then you can get what's called a non-invasive genetic uh, screening test for paternity. There, There are several on the market, Google them, you will have the option of choosing which kind of a test you want. You know, is it that you want paternity of one partner? If you want paternity of two or three, you can definitely test multiple people with the same sample from the baby. Um, okay. And, but again, this is blood work. It's a blood test. They take mom's blood, the patient's blood, placental cells flake off and enter the circulation. That's how they're able to extract the placental cells from the maternal cells. Okay. Now, mind you, this is not 100% non-invasive prenatal screening for paternity. It's not 100%. Just like no non-invasive prenatal screening test is 100%. There is a chance of mosaicism, meaning more than one cell line they get in there. Um, and there is also a chance that the placenta and the baby have different cell lines, at least in some cells, which means that we can see a difference in the genetics in the placenta, then we would see the baby. So that's why it's not 100%. Furthermore, 
non-invasive prenatal screening for paternity can be very expensive depending on how many partners you want to test. Okay. Can be very expensive. And and genetic amniocentesis is also expensive. Um, that's the invasive one we just talked about. Um, and keep in mind the insurance companies usually do not cover paternity. But obviously ask about that with your own respective insurance companies. Everyone's a little bit different. But it's been my experience that most insurance companies that I take do not pay for things like paternity. So the case pro for this case is both invasive and non-invasive options for paternity testing exist, but it is not covered by most insurance policies. All right, medical intern, do we have any more emailed questions or cases? Yes. This one says, Dr. Plenty, my husband and I were trying really hard to get pregnant last year, but I was told I needed to lose weight first. So I started taking Ozempic. In a few months, I lost about 25 pounds. To my surprise, two weeks ago, I found out that I was pregnant and stopped taking Ozempic. What is the risk of Ozempic on my unplanned pregnancy? So Ozempic is a great um, medication that's actually used for diabetic control and and those that are type 2, right? Um, The side effect is that it also causes causes, uh, weight loss. So Ozempic is used for diabetes. The the generic form of Ozempic is semiglutide. That is used and... um, marketed as Wagovi for weight loss. So you have either have semiglutide, which is Ozempic for diabetic control or semiglutide, which is Wagovi for weight loss. Okay. And it's a great weight loss drug. It helps suppress your appetite. Um, and it does tremendously help get your blood sugar down. If you're somebody that has uncontrolled diabetes. Now the issue is Ozempic takes, has a very long duration. It takes about a month to a month and a half for Ozempic to get, to get out of your system. So if you stopped it two weeks ago when you found out you were pregnant, you still got a couple of weeks that Ozempic is in your system. There are some studies that are limited in animals that show, excuse me, the study, let me clarify, the study is in animals and limited in humans. So the animal studies do show an increased risk of losing a pregnancies, particularly in the first trimester, and major birth defects, okay? And every article I read just said major birth defects. So there's not one particular like, oh, this one is linked to this type of heart defect. This one is linked to this type of spinal defect. It doesn't work like that. It's linked to multiple different types of birth defects in offspring, but there's no human studies that are large enough to definitively say this is the risk in humans. But because we know and we see consistently a risk of structural issues In animals, I would advise against it. Now, mind you, you already stopped Ozempic two weeks ago. You got about two more weeks for Ozempic to completely be out of your system. And so what I would do is, one, I would stay calm. Two, make sure you're drinking plenty of water and make sure you're eating. Because if Ozempic's still on board, you could have a decreased appetite, which could turn into poor nutrition status in in the pregnancy. But the only thing you could do now is just wait. Okay, so you found out you're pregnant two weeks ago, wait on your prenatal vitamins, uh, excuse me, wait on your prenatal appointment. And then once you get your prenatal appointment, your OBGYN will likely send you someone like me who will further investigate how much Ozempic you're on, how much Ozempic is still in your system, and then counsel you further from there. Okay, Ozempic is linked to some animal studies with birth defects. But let me tell you, there's a slew of people that come in 
and they're on Ozempic and they stop and their babies are perfectly fine. So wait until your anatomy scan to see how everything looks. And if everything is fine, then you know that going forward, you don't have too much to worry about, but you can't all of a sudden flush Ozempic out of your system. You just have to wait the course and they'll do a detailed ultrasound on you to make sure that everything looks structurally right with the baby. And then some OBGYNs and maternal fetal medicine specialists might occasionally repeat your growth scans depending on how how what your BMI is, okay? Um, because we know that people that are on the heavier side do have an increased risk of birth defects just at baseline. So, um, so that is what I would recommend doing. Um, don't freak out. There are a lot of people I've seen that are on Ozempic where, again, nothing has happened. But with your next pregnancy, we want if you decide to take something like Oglympic, Ozempic or semiglutide, please, please, please use some type of protection. Get on birth control so that you don't have this type of exposure. But nine times out of 10, you're going to be just fine. All right, medical intern, do we have any other email questions or cases? Yes. This one says... Dr. Plenty, three of my friends in their 40s recently found out they were pregnant. Is there a second peak of fertility period in your mid-40s? No, but you know what happens? Um, the, egg, the egg number and quality decrease as a woman ages, okay? And so the older you are, the harder it is to get pregnant because eggs that are poor quality aren't fertilized well, Right. But what happens is people that are in their 40s, they're either getting divorced and remarried, so their sex life is a lot more active, or they think, hey, I'm not having regular cycles, I'm done having my children, and I can't get pregnant, and then we get a little sloppier, right? We do less planning, and things just happen to happen. That's what happens, okay? It's not that fertility increases in your 40s, that is quite the opposite. Fertility is going to constantly decrease. But if you have friends that are now new, fresh relationships that have, you know, uh, and now have thriving sex lives with sex, you have a risk of getting pregnant every time you have sex during ovulation. And some people in their forties aren't really, don't really know when they're ovulating because their cycles are starting to space out a little bit more. And so they may be ovulating and not even know it and have sexual intercourse. So that's how it's just like your ovulation is just more unpredictable the older you are, but the older you are, the harder it also is to actually get pregnant. But no, there's no, there's no peak. Okay. No peak at all. Um, but you just, we just have to be careful. Okay. So that we are planning for these babies and not assume that because we are in our forties, we can't get pregnant because that's not the truth. A lot of patients I see are in their forties and even fifties and pregnant right now. All right, medical intern, do we have any more email questions or cases? And she's shaking her head. No, So thank you guys so much for listening to the Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope you've learned a little bit more about having an oops baby. If you like the show, make sure to share me with your friends, rate and comment. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at Pregnancy underscore Pearls and Facebook at Pregnancy Pearls. And you guys, I do have a website. It's www.drnicoleplenty.com where you can find free downloadables, a pregnancy checklist, and more pregnancy information. 
In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition pregnancy pearls is a mean old lion media production pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.